0: They call me Snow. Get at me on Instagram, SNO.BRD. You are listening to Rust Belt Ruffian. I make sweeping judgments based entirely on my subjective traumas. So if you hear something fall out of my beak that's particularly egregious or ill informed, write to me. Write me a love letter. Rustbeltruffian at gmail.com. And I'll be sure to run it up the ranks so that we can implement your recommended disciplinarian measures as swiftly as possible. Thank you. uh, First off, to everyone who provided feedback for my pilot, um, I've received overwhelmingly positive testimonials to my chagrin, and production has improved significantly to my delight. Just as an example, um, I still have my old computer right here next to me. Let me turn it on for you so you so you can really hear what I was working with here. Hold on. Yeah, you gotta get your little elbow grease. So yeah, in my last episode, I had to go through and, uh, I had to painstakingly remove atmospheric noise for it to be listenable. There were a couple other things I was up against. Hold on, let me, let me turn this off. There were a couple other things I was up against. But was it, what, what is it they say? In this climate! We got to be like water and gently move around resistance. So uh, I've scrapped the last few projects. They were on the old computer anyways. I wasn't, uh, not really worth digging in and reassembling. So I raised them entirely, tore them up from the floor up, a sort of a shamanic immolation. And uh, you know what? It's just as well. No harm done. No love lost. Practice is practice. I am proud of episode one, though, now that it's marinated a little bit. Listen to it if you can, and subscribe if you haven't. Uh, I I tend to hate everything I create. Everything. But that's just... That's just an artist thing. (laughs) That last episode was decent enough to net a couple dozen listeners, which was precisely a couple dozen more than I ever thought I'd get. (laughs) Uh, And I receive analytics now, which is also weird. It's telling me I have a core audience... Audience? <laughs> I thought I was just screaming into this little corner of my room. But okay. Sweet. And according to my stats, most of you are from North America. My condolences. But a fair number of you are, are, are not. I'm looking at France and Germany. That's inexplicable. To them, I would like to say, Hola! Under the advice of a friend. Uh, I have started a Patreon. Patreon.com slash Rust And all the links are going to be in in the uh, description of this episode. I suppose I should say as a teaser that I am selling booby pictures if that's something that interests you. And if I know the internet, it probably does. I hope there's a mob crush and um, several casualties at the door. (laughs) And uh, even if you have no interest in, um, what do they call it? Patronizing me, Uh, I implore you to treat yourself to my menu and enjoy my puns at the very least, because those are free, and as we say in the Rust Belt, if it's free, it's for me. And my higher tiers are gags, don't at me. We're just trying to keep on brand, which at this point has, uh, has been expressing itself as tastefully impertinent. Anything to distract us, right? and decorate our, uh, our swiftly waning lifespans. I apologize in advance, um, dear listener, gentlemen, babies, ladies, um, I can hear myself in my own headphones, and I think I can actually detect grief in my voice and, and my elocution. I know it definitely affects, uh, how inclined I am to to whirl around and bite for seemingly no reason, but um but I betray myself of of course, there's a reason um I just wish it was a little easier for me to fall into my uh my scumbag n p r bit without without spiraling off into a doomer screed you know like hey come on it's it's twenty twenty two knew me, knew you, but hey, you know it ain't it ain't easy out there for anybody and um and today specifically today uh i am all all shades of volatile which is separate yet complementary to to the grief um it's my mother's death anniversary today january 11th it's my grandmother's as well perhaps i too will die on 111 but uh we're nearing midnight, and so far so good looks like I won this round death, I shake my little fist at you <sighs> New year aside midwinter always makes me very thoughtful and uh delicate but but this year, there's something in the air. I know I'm not the only one feeling it, but it's like it's like I'm being steeled like i'm a uh like I'm a cannonball with with an iron core. I feel very brooding and dense. See, I'm not really a, I'm not really a resolution kind of bird, but, but I asked myself. I was like, Snow, are you just a fucking hobbyist? I mean, really? America is gonna hit a million dead. One million dead by April. A million Pinewood boxes. And your spot on the pyre, Snow, is going to be occupied by a hobbyist. You don't have to shift paradigms. You don't have to kick down a door. You don't even have to be profitable, patreon.com slash rustbeltruffian. You just have to kill indifference. Because indifference is coming to kill you, Snow. The ship is sinking. And someone has to pick up their little viola, their little cello. And they gotta play with the band until everyone slides off the fucking deck. So why not you? Right? Why not? <laughs> and if we can monetize it, so be it. I don't have too much of a choice. I've been employed by the, um, by the hospitality industry since birth. Since I climbed out of my egg. That's why I sound like I've spent a summer abroad when I have much more experience mucking stalls. At my last job, I was, a, I was a housekeeper by choice. Despite the Michelin stars emblazoned all over my resume that painted me as a perfect front desk agent, it had my hiring managers really wondering about my mental acuity. They didn't, They didn't quite get that I value not talking to guests, especially... You know, during these end times, if you wanted to go there. I value not talking to a customer, not talking to a guest. So much more than not touching poopy particles. Especially during a pandemic. Because I'm about to be boosted. I ain't as scared. I'm just ready for the muscle soreness, you know, the lethargy. And uh, I'm ready to fight the overwhelming urge to pump Tesla stock. I've lost myself. Um, Yes, housekeeping. I didn't hate being a surly housekeeper. um, But that doesn't mean the job was good. I'm trained as an artist. But art is a luxury commodity. And in times of scarcity, it's less and less likely you're going to be able to peddle it. I haven't been an artist for a very long time. I had to put it on the back burner because of life. I had to turn it into a hobby, and I feel like I'm kind of coming to. I feel like I'm. I feel like I'm remembering what it was that I was doing, because as the walls start to close in, Omicron Delta, inflation, World War III, space wars, you know, God knows, you know. I, The cage I'm in feels a little bit more like a shark tank. Like maybe it's protecting me. And maybe, maybe there's something else I can do here. But that doesn't mean you don't need a day job. (laughs) That doesn't mean (laughs) doing gigs isn't like fishing. Really anything creative. Sometimes you get it and sometimes you don't. So you need a day job. And fuck no I wasn't going to wait tables. Any other world I would, not in this one. When I'm when I'm interviewing for an entry level position and included in my benefits are self defense classes, that is a front facing position that you do not want to be in. You're not going to be paid enough for that. Because people are getting more and more rabid as time goes on and I am crushing myself further and further into the back of house. <laughs> I prefer back of house, truly. Front of house is a drag. Even at the best of times, front of house is a drag. You're doing this... This baby talk all day. Baby talk to adults. Who expect an unhealthy fortitude and maturity from even their own children. And yet they crumple and fold like wet cardboard. The slightest discomfort. It's over. The slightest inconvenience. And because you... As, uh, as the front of house, you're representing the brand. You're the servile fixer of a, of a tiny sovereign dictatorship for, for 40 hours a week. And you just have to fawn and fret and flatter and you have to show your throat and your belly and, and capitulate. Ooh, that was, that, that, that pee was too hard. I'm going to get a little further from the mic. And Capitulate! That was better. Until the guest <laughs> is more or less satisfied with your, uh. I'm trying to think of something that doesn't have a P in it. Your obsequious groveling. Oh, please, sir. Uh, oh, spare me the rod. The Elp review, I, me. If only I could be as patient and distinguished as someone who accepts 15% off checkout price. Which very much resembles yourself, good sir. Big, strong, little boy, you. Are you a gwumpy gwampa? Did you make a big poopy in your gwampa pants? You know who was a big gwumpy gwampa pants? Sir Tim Rice. <laughs> when I worked at that luxury resort from the first episode. Man, he, he read me the fucking riot act, man. And okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, it was partially my fault but what the fuck were you doing in siberia upstate new york anyway mr tim rice opening some flop of a show (laughs) some vulgar soulless embarrassment something that's probably technically beautiful but but very lacking on plot and you probably knew all this you probably knew all this you probably had a terrible day, and then you thought it would be cute to blow off steam and and scream at your desk clerk because your dumbass couldn't find the light switch in your bathroom and your whole ass life caved in on you in that one single pinprick of a moment. Okay. Okay, like... <laughs> Maybe I made the worst joke ever when you checked in. Okay, <laughs> okay, Tim? Look, I'm, Look, I'm getting nervous. I'm getting nervous remembering this. I'm like touching my mic too much, what the fuck? (laughs) I'm remembering how he looked at me like I wanted, like like he wanted me to evaporate on the spot. I'm remembering how he looked at me. (laughs) Un mille pardon. Monsieur Tim. Je suis allé dans une école publique américaine, (laughs) d'accord? I'm working with what I got here. As night staff, as 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 bartenders, as waitresses, and 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 clerks, after let's say ten o'clock, eleven o'clock, we don't necessarily have to stick so stringently to the brand's script. It's kind of like staying late after a show and and hearing a swear word or two. You know, it's it's not that big of a deal. By that point. Most of the guests have partied themselves to bed, and the stragglers at the bar, Mr. Rice, tend to be more forgiving and, and sociable than the typical typecast, capital G, guest. So, forgive me, Sir Tim, for asking if you are taking a, a breakation from Brexit. Okay? I'm sorry, I think it's funny. I, I still think it's funny. I realize you might not like our American charisma, the blind optimism and cheer of a, of a simpleton, of a young, naive country. <laughs> what is it you people say, Tim? Bellend? That's what you looked at me like I was. You people. <laughs> get out of my country. You don't like my dunks? You can just get on that, get on that Mayflower, turn around and get back where you came from, you shit a bitch. If you think our American optimism, Sir Tim, is anything more than a ruse to keep our customer first economy running, I have another thing to tell you. So I guess I'm sorry for that too. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry I love the music to The Lion King and The Road El Dorado and Beauty and the Beast. And, and I sing through Jesus Christ Superstar from beginning to end. I mean, r- routinely, religiously, you might say. And maybe I was a little nervous. Maybe being around you, uh, I wanted to break the ice with something. Stupid and campy. Crucify me. We can't all have four shows playing simultaneously on Broadway. Some of us have nothing but puns to our name. Patreon.com slash Rust Not nice, <laughs> Tim Rice. And the bathroom switch was on the wall. Imagine being knighted for your brilliance and then having to call the front desk because you're lost in your own hotel room. Imagine. Riff-raff indeed. If only he'd look closer. I'm in a mood. I am a live wire. I mean, he wasn't the worst problem child, truth be told. He was actually the, um, he was actually the typical fair. Nine digits in the bank account you think a person so so cultured and well-traveled and, and, and so quick to fetishize poverty as a storytelling element could find grace and, and patience for their fellow man. <laughs> Too bad these folk tend to be cultured like a petri dish of botulism. At that job, at that same resort, I once had a woman sink down to her knees. A full-ass, grown-ass woman, all balled up, with her little fists, kicking around like a toddler because she wanted a balcony. And stay with me on this. We don't have balconies on the ground floor. I apologize that I can't bend the laws of physics, ma'am, mademoiselle. At least not for $11 an hour, it just... (laughs) It simply cannot be done. (laughs) So fuck front of house. Fuck front of house and fuck everyone and blessings <laughs> on anyone toiling in the front of house during these, uh, these final years before their jobs are replaced by Roombas and, and vending machines. Everyone who works in customer service has to wear a, a riot helmet of sorts. Funny how the wealthy Bitcoin bros and hedge fund managers are always harping about this hustle grind set like like, I get up at 3 a.m., I drink a spirulina slurry to like crypto climax, and that's how we pump and dump with the big dogs, baby. Ruff, ruff. Ugh, they are always interested in stoicism and, and the gray rock method when they are the most emotional queens on this earth. I mean, you want to talk stoicism? Don't ask them. Their entire job is based on feelings. Ask a customer service rep. How they survive moment to moment. When a vast majority of the public, capital T, capital P, the public is a seething, rabid froth of entitlement and, and insecurity. You know, when you're in that, when you're in that position, you just gotta roll with it, right? You just, you need, you need money to access this planet. So just let people come and go with it. Let people come and go with their aggravations, but after a while, God it just it costs so much emotional labor it's a It's a heavy gig it it really is it's it's enough to lose your hair over and and the people who stay with it for for years and years and years are are masochists or unlucky idiots like me who who could really could really find no better. <laughs> Oh, I guess in my defense, I mean, it's not, like, it's not like there are many options out this way. Out here in the Rust Belt. I gotta cut myself some slack somewhere, right? If, if upstate New York was full of flourishing boomtowns with countless opportunities that pay more than poverty wages, in what universe would I have ever allowed myself to be called those names? I mean, I made it look so effortless. I would take every blow like I could find nourishment within it. It was a way to trick myself. <laughs> a way to keep the riot helmet from from wearing out my spine. It comes off as totally servile. You know, yes, sir, may I have another? But behind the visor, I assure you, <laughs> there is a very different mantra echoing behind there. and And it is unkind. It is... It is unkind on the high end. And and you end up carrying that feeling with you. And sometimes it expresses itself, doesn't it, Tim? Sometimes we spit acid rain, don't we? I guess if you had any playtime under establishment Hollywood, Sir Tim, I'm I'm sure you're quite familiar with servile little dances, so I, I don't feel too bad that you didn't like mine. <laughs> There's so much more to me when i sat down with my hiring manager before i got this most recent gig they opened up my application and i watched their own riot helmet fall over their face they were customer servicing me you know oh so you worked at that a list resort for years huh really oh the culture here uh it's not it's not the same she was Politely, referring to the fact that we were in a meeting room of a budget hotel. Uh, No one really wears fancy pants when they check in here. So she asked me what it was like catering to the, to the, she wouldn't say it. She wouldn't say uh, the upper crust, the elite, the 1%. She wouldn't say it. So I, you know, I was picking up what she was laying down. So I explained. um... All right. So if someone walked in here into this budget hotel, and fancied a a table or a light fixture, would I have access to a catalog for them to purchase it? And then is there in-house shipping to accommodate that very thing? Because in what world can you walk into a business, point at an object, any object, and say, I want it, send it in the belly of a plane to my villa in Italy, and then they just do, they just do that. (laughs) And my manager laughed. No, we don't have anything like that here. (laughs) I just need you to solve countless tiny disasters and desperately act like you're enjoying it. No, thank you. Do you have anything in the back of house? I wasn't there for very long. I don't know, 90-ish days? The bosses started cutting hours to secure their own bonuses. Isn't that grim? dangling a a carrot like that over the managers incentivize cutting costs by transferring our wages to their wallets it it boggles the mind uh, i mean my whole team was was barely scraping by as it is most of us qualified for partial unemployment isn't that grand let me say that again we were employed but we qualified for partial unemployment <laughs> That was how steeply the managers cut hours. And they happily, deliberately, forced the government, forced the state, to subsidize the rest of their employees' wages. So that way, when when the reports of their cost-cutting runs up the ladder, they get a bonus. (laughs) It's enough to drive you crazy until a couple Google searches will show you that that is a very... Very common business practice. It's very common. I mean, just because it's written into policy doesn't mean they have to do it. It's kind of like uh, employing elderly people and taking life insurance policies out on them, like like Walmart does. It's not illegal, but they don't have to do it. <laughs> they choose to, you know. They choose to. They choose to ring the worker. They act like they're backed up against a corner, but they make their choices. If I knew the folks that made these decisions had the capacity to feel glee, I, I would even venture to say they ring the worker gleefully. <laughs> For example, all right, I didn't know we'd be going from Tim Rice into uh, labor, but here we go. My checks, my wages, everyone's wages in America, they're always taxed, right? And these taxes go into the welfare system, which we dip into when we're forced to go on partial unemployment. So when our employer deliberately underschedules us, we're actually paying ourselves a portion of our own wages and they're getting a full day's work done with half the operational costs. And of course, this allows the brand to keep starvation wages standard. I mean, why would they increase the pay? Why? Why would they? If, if it's stacked that way, there's no benefit for them to change it. And there's no punishment for them uh, keeping it the way it is. The state isn't doing anything. Pandemic be damned. It could even be argued that cutting hours is the more compassionate of the two options. The other being uh, uh, mass layoffs. I mean, fuck, like most people, most human beings don't look twice as they step on another's back. The good ones amongst us need self-help books to teach us not to do that, even in times of plenty. I mean, do you really need imagination to to feasibly expect how people are going to behave when we're all scrounging around for, for so little? Why wouldn't you cut hours to get your bonus as a middle manager? Don't you want your bonus, you sniveling middle manager, you? All of these memos coming down on high. The brand gaslighting you into thinking you're more than just a, a crunch pad between the worker and the CEOs. <laughs> and and in a way, these managers are even more disposable than an entry-level grunt because at least to entry-level, new employees, these these stupid little little firebrands—they—they they can be tricked into doing the work of three or four people, while collecting the wage of one, at least for a little while. The managers are a little more wise, you know. They need a carrot to keep carrying on, and if the state just lets them pull a switcheroo like that—a little skim, a little a little drinky poo off the top—carrying on and carrying on season after season after season, for every employee at every location. And this is an international brand I'm talking about here. I mean, can you imagine? Can you, can you imagine the profits from that little scheme? That's trickle-up economics for you, am I right? Fuck. You know, I reached my final straw when I saw that I had enough saved up To shop around for another job. They were making me clean barehanded. I had to bring in my own gloves, piss and cum and snot and blood and shit. But one of the final nails, (laughs) one of the final nails, it kind of just cinched it all together. And it was another one of those moments where I looked at myself and I'm like, Snow, are you a fucking hobbyist or are you going to actually transmute this into some art? This half-cocked Bass Pro loving Trumper saunters up to me in the hallway while I'm while I'm decked out in my hazmat suit. Elbow deep in delta variance, dick deep in delta variance. That one's fun to say. And this hog has the gall to thank me for showing up to work today. God. Oh, the cold rage. <laughs> that flooded my tiny bird body it made me want to head to my next job interview with a red stain on my shirt <laughs> those those types think we don't want to work they have no idea no idea that we can't work if it behooves our manager to underschedule us, if it behooves the brand to underschedule us, as if everyone wants to sit on their ass and beg for change from the fucking government, as if the very building we were standing in isn't a sterling example of a screaming welfare queen. The brand is letting taxpayers subsidize my employer's bonuses. At the expense of the worker's standard of living. That is precisely what these hogs are programmed to hate. Precisely what he's thanking me for not participating in. The absolute irony of it all. It drove me crazy. (laughs) It was like a Mobius strip of anger just throbbing in my temples and I tried to will my eyes to smile over my mask. You know what was beautiful about that moment? I was so thankful that I didn't let my hiring manager put me behind that desk and instead stuck me in the shit and piss and cum. I was so thankful in that moment, because being a surly housekeeper, as opposed to a customer service agent snapping to attention, I didn't have to fawn. I didn't have to fret and flatter and show my throat and show my belly. I didn't have to say, thank you. Oh, yes, thank you, sir. I drink your stupidity like a fine wine. I didn't have to do any of that. When this specimen thanked me for showing up to work that day, I said, hey, you can, yeah, you can thank me by leaving a fat tip. And you know what? <laughs> the guy didn't like that. He didn't like me, an entrepreneur, providing a reasonable way to truly thank me. Because I knew why he said what he said. I knew what it was about. You blithering MAGA windbag. It was about you collecting a sound bite, wasn't it? You needed to replace something at the water cooler. Well, I, I thanked an essential worker today. Yeah, I left, I left wet towels on the duvet. I ate a jelly donut in the bathtub and I, I dyed my beard in the sink. But I thanked an essential worker and God saw me. No, I didn't tip, but God saw me. And my mansion in heaven is going to have a pool. Maybe she'll come by and, and pick leaves out of it because I thanked her. I applauded the essential worker. I'm sorry. I just got overwhelmed again. I was just there. (laughs) Listen up, hogs, hens. I refuse to be the agent of anyone's self-congratulation unless they're giving me money. Patreon.com slash Rust Belt Ruffian Ooh, Snowbird If you don't like it, why don't you just quit? Thank you, I did <laughs> I wet my whistle enough With a big budget brand It's time to go somewhere I can have a little more Bargaining power instead of uh, Instead of a corporate suggestion box our, our HR rep burns Every month But I guess in their defense you know, they They really are not provided the tools To run the place humanely It's just it's just the name of the game, you know. Game, thy name is profit. America's one true god. E pluribus
1: yada yada.
0: Uh, see, see what I mean about the doomerness, the black pillness. I'm, I'm, I'm fucking disgusting myself over here. I'm just like, oh. I have a black turtleneck on and a pair of bongos, and I'm like, why should we try anything when we're all just hastening towards nuclear space war? But I guess that's just, uh, that's just my instincts talking, and they're not always right, at least uh, when it comes to my relationship with money. Even after sharing oxygen with a member of the Queen's Court, I can still be the most arrogant thing in the room. Pull up a milk stool, Tim. Sir Tim, I feel like I went a little hard on you. To be fair, I have, I have no idea how long you were awake. Uh, before we met, if you were traveling, it could have been uh, could have been quite a while since you had a little rest. So here, I make my cocoa with cayenne. I I hope it's not too spicy for your for your British palate. Let's take a deep breath together. Clench the asshole at the top of the breath. Yes, even males and folks who own penises can benefit from a kegel or two. So at the top of the breath. Clench your asshole. Clench your... Your friends. And release. Okay, Tim. It's only fair that you get one insurrection joke. In fact, everyone have that. Fuck it. Go ahead and scream your best zinger right into your headphones. Especially if you're in public. (laughs) You know, I'm remembering something. If I recall correctly, Tim, uh, you... You ended up staying at that resort for several nights because when I clocked in next after bathroom light gate after uh, after brexit gate you were still there Yeah the whole staff was uh, was schmoozing you and and you were rolling around in your bar stool with with pleasantries and your little flatteries and stuff and everyone got a cocktail on your tab maintenance workers housekeepers everyone everyone but one we locked eyes a couple times from across the room. I mean, I don't need it. I don't drink on the job, Tim. My coworkers were unprofessional to drink with you. Frankly, after what you called me the night prior, I would have poured it right to the toilet, but it's the gesture, monsieur. It's the politics. I'm not so pedestrian that I can't pick up on theater kid, <laughs> mean girl politics. I've worked production. I've worked crew. You know, spotlight, huffing paint in the prop room. That kind of shit. We're offered a, a, a omniscient vantage point with those headsets and catwalks and, and vaulted sound booths. Every meltdown. Every backstab. Every time the, the director nicks a vial of snuff from their satchel waiting in the wings. There are countless ways to wordlessly reestablish a pecking order. I mean, your show playing in Prison City, USA, Sir Tim. It it kept a couple of my more arty friends. Oh fuck, my he, my heater. My more arty friends in business. American rules tells me to fall at your feet as a job creator. But uh, if it wasn't you, it it would have just been someone else. So uh, try try again. <laughs> Look, look there there is there is something to thank you for, monsieur, aside from this story itself, which to be honest, is a lot like crossing paths with an albino ibex it's 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 once in a lifetime. but your comment about about this region of the United States being the most lovely and and beautiful landscapes you've ever laid your your wall eyes on, thank you for that. Thank you we we depend on the tourism truly we we got we got nothing we got nothing tourism is all we have and and when someone on high says says we're pretty i i knew you loved our sense of humor tim but oh you make me blush and this is particularly charitable of sir tim because the theater that presented his show which, yes, is a stunning off-Broadway location, yada, yada. It's also smack dab in the shadow of one of the largest, oldest maximum security prisons in America. <laughs> and and I don't know if you could get more rust-belty than that. I mean, for a long time growing up, I didn't think it was weird to have a functioning neighborhood shrugging up against medieval stone walls and, and Soviet-style concrete watchtowers, everything topped with razor wire. I I just didn't think it was weird. It occurred to me recently, especially since seeing some of my analytics, some of my listeners may not know what a rust belt is. I mean, even my partner wasn't aware, and he's fucking from here. Basically, if you draw a line from Chicago to, let's say, like, Pittsburgh, Boston, Philly, over that way, and, and you fan that line on either side by a couple hundred miles, that area of the United States used to be lovingly referred to as the steel belt. We were captains of industry. Canals and warehouses. But as you know, dear listener, we have since rolled over our economic peak. And everything is still there. It's just left to rot. (laughs) The people, the buildings. Why did I just say that like Trump? The people. There were all kinds of culminating factors for this, but this isn't a history lesson. This is more of a love letter to the, to the colloquialism of Rust Belt, because what happens to steel when it's left to the elements? That's right, kids. It turns to rust. And to call the, the industrial primary artery of America corroded is so forgiving, <laughs> so tongue-in-cheek, I'm pretty sure you could poke a hole right through I mean, I like to think of myself as a uh, as a decent representation of the Rust Belt, formerly known as the Steel Belt. The artist formerly known as the Steel Belt. Growing up, my, my mother was a line worker, uh, soldering tiny copper parts to medical equipment. And in the span of a couple years, she had her job outsourced once to China and twice to Mexico. And with that prison in the community... I mean, even even if you're trying to save up and improve your your quality of life, you're still living in one of the highest concentration of criminals and pedophiles and homeless people and hookers and crooked cops and crooked congressmen and um, people who suffer all kinds of deficiencies that cause them to eschew the word of law. The highest concentration of skid. You name it. You know, anything you could claw up from the bottom of the barrel would find the rust belt quite comfortable. So even if you're doing well, you're still there. You're still in that area of the country. <laughs> and like I said, we got nothing, 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 Tim, outside of tourism. So when you say we're pretty, fucking thank you. There are these little bastions of luxury culture. They pop up like like fungi and consolidate very, very closely, very secretly, with fortified gatehouses and exclusive memberships. They see pockets of the Rust Belt as unspoiled nature, as if, it's a, uh, as if it's an Aspen before Aspen went to shit. They don't tend to walk in the woods with their own feet. Because if they did, they would see the pits and the rubble, brick chimneys leading to nothing, haunted by the ghosts of the captains of industry. To the tourist, they see a placid lake for what it looks like. A placid lake. But a Rust Belt ruffian sees it for what it is. It's more mercury than lake. And it's placid because it's dead. Fuck. That chud at my hotel was such a slap in the face. Not you, Tim. The more recent one. Just remembering it pulls my blood pressure to the brink. And my countrymen are less patient than I. And I've had it up to here. That frightens me about where we're headed. That man, (laughs) I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But that man believed that my employers were entitled, entitled to subsidize their dreams off the backs of their workers. I was the problem, me. That man believed our inflation Our rampant inflation is because the worker asked for higher wages. It has nothing to do with boss man refusing to cut into the profits. They're record profits, despite the most abhorrent economic downturns the world has ever experienced. Everything is the worker's fault, despite having zero power as a worker. Because in America, you're only in a democracy before you clock in. This brand... And countless other big brands. They pull every fucking stop to harvest every last molecule of profit for as little loss as possible. They have a sickness. They're like a kid eating, eating paint chips. They just can't stop. They see the worker as a, as a means to an end. And in many ways, a pest, a nuisance. A placeholder before a more efficient replacement comes along. Something that doesn't complain or take a wage. Something that can assemble and repair itself. Something like automation. It's coming close to eclipsing the profit of human labor. Believe it or not, for now, human labor costs a company less than an army of robots. But give it time. The more humans get sick, The more they get uppity, the more they get rowdy, daring to ask for a higher standard of living, the more confused the populace, the consumer over who's to blame, the more valuable these robots become. So when you rise to your superiors and it feels like you're hitting a brick wall, like maybe you're just kicking a can down the road, and and they're killing time just bullshitting you, running out the clock. Perhaps they are. Because we're right on the edge, baby. We are right on the edge. And I got my viola. I got my cello. And I'm ready to play with the band until that icy seawater swallows me up. I will decorate our meat space. Because art is the only thing that makes life worth living. Isn't that right, Sir Tim? Isn't that right?